0: Good morning, everybody. Welcome to a special Sunday edition. Hope that you're doing well on the Sunday morning, and we're in the third Sunday of Easter. So Easter is a seven-week season after a six-week season of Lent because the feast always surpasses the fast in the Christian life. And um, on Sundays, I'm just putting something together a little extra as we turn to a time of prayer looking at those resurrection stories after Jesus is raised that the Gospels tell us about. And so I want to be in John chapter 21 today, uh, something that I've been thinking about my own life and uh, wrestling with. This is the interaction where Jesus and Peter get back together, and the most titles in the Bible, that Bibles that we read, it says, Jesus reinstates Peter. If you remember in the plot line, Peter vowed to follow Jesus even unto death, and when Jesus was arrested... Peter decided not to uh, make good on that offer and so there's like this there's like something in the air and like Peter knows that he and Jesus are going to get back together and face each other after the resurrection and so John tells us that story in John 21. So I'll uh, paraphrase that a little bit and read a couple verses then make a couple thoughts as we reflect on the third Sunday of Easter. Thanks for making this party of your morning on When I Rise. Let's allow our souls to rise and meet God together in a time of prayer. All right, so in John 21, we have a famous passage where Jesus and Peter get together after, if you remember the plot line, Peter has denied Jesus three times. He made a vow that he would follow Jesus all the way to the grave, and then he denies him three times, and so Jesus is raised. He's already been in a room with Peter, but in John 21, kind of this second ending of John's gospel, we have Peter and Jesus getting together, so um, if you remember Jesus asked Peter the same question three times Peter do you love me and Peter always says he does and Jesus replies to him by saying feed my sheep so he's trying to restore Peter personally but also launch him in his leadership and what he's supposed to do Uh, in the background I think something really interesting is going on here um Genesis and John can be seen side by side. We've already, if if you look at the first part of John's gospel, there's this uh, interesting callback to the creation story in Genesis. And if you remember the book of Genesis, at the very end, the last major section is Joseph, who's... Um, a son of Jacob who is envied by his brothers because he seems to be a child of promise, the favored child, and he's sold into slavery. He goes into Egypt, and he's there at a a critical time. He not only bails out Egypt, but he also bails out his family. And at the very end, Joseph's brothers come to him, and Joseph has a decision to make. Is he going to be restored to his brothers, or is he going to get revenge upon his brothers? And I think that's going on here. At the end of John's Gospel, uh, Jesus appears to Peter, and after there, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Jesus says this, very true. This is in verse eighteen of John twenty. And very truly I tell you, that when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and someone else will dress you, and lead you where you do not want to go. John says that Jesus said this because. It gave a foreshadowing of Peter's death. Now, so this is probably hitting, you know, Peter you know, like a ton of bricks. Like his life is going to change. Jesus is launching him into leadership, but before Peter gets these grandiose ideas, Jesus is saying something's going to happen. Like you used to be able to call the shots, and now some things are going to be taken out of your hand, and you'll be led, and things will uh, not be in your control. This seems to provoke something in Peter because what he does, the very next thing that he does is that he looks at the disciple whom Jesus loved, another one of Jesus' friends. And he says, What about, and he asks Jesus, What about him? What's his story? And Jesus denies any information. And um, so here we have this interesting picture. And so here's what's perhaps going on here Um, there needs to be a restoration. And the restoration isn't just between Jesus and Peter. But Jesus does something very redemptive and something that's transforming here. He uh, restores Peter and gives him grace. And it seems that he wants his grace to go further than just he and Jesus' relationship, but into other relationships. What seems to be hidden in all of this is perhaps Peter's got ambition Perhaps Peter has—he uh, measures himself, he compares himself to the other disciples, and so here in this moment it flares up, it comes to the surface, and Jesus says, "It's time for you to put those ways behind you." I think this is great what what Jesus does here. It's almost like Jesus absorbs all of Peter's uh, inadequacies and um, in the ways in which Peter falls short, so that Peter can now be launched. And he can lead. Uh, this is exactly what's going on in Joseph's life. Joseph is the youngest, well, he's the second youngest of all of Jacob's sons, but he's actually leading his older brothers. And the only way he can lead is to forsake his sibling ways, this striving that siblings have, and to take on the role of a parent. I was listening to a preacher this week, and somebody asked him how he was able to lead so many people into the ministry. And he said, if you're going to lead people in the ministry, you got to not be a sibling. You have to be a parent. He's like, when you're a sibling, you compare, you race against one another. You have competition. There's even bitterness and rivalry and envy that gets in the way. He's like, when you're a parent, you cheer, you encourage, you rejoice, you grieve, and you help spur on. There's no time for the competition. There's no time for keeping and holding grudges. And nursing these grudges and this anger that you have or this uh, silent resentment against those who you are peers or siblings with it's time uh, to lead and there's no time for anything else and perhaps this is what Jesus is trying to help Peter with he's trying to help him realize that even though he's equal with the rest he needs to lead in front of them and in doing so things are going to be taken out of his hand so that all that's left is to love I think that's a word for us because I think some of us act like siblings way too much. And we love to lead more. We love to have a flourishing relationship network. But we need to get rid of our sibling ways and take on the role of a parent where we cheer, where we encourage, where we are patient, where we rejoice with one another and not nurse grudges or bitterness or envy. Perhaps what we hear at the empty tomb this morning on this third Sunday of Easter is that it's time to allow life to uh, transition to the next phase for us, no matter what our age is, to where we can't call the shots anymore. Now it's time for us to pave the way for others and to be led by others in the way of being a parent. So I want to pray you and I would let go and that we take on this opportunity to parent and to shepherd and to cheer and to rejoice and to celebrate Instead of having envy and rivalry and bitterness and anger and frustration with those around us, let's pray together this morning. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you today that you, as three in one, dwell together in perfect unity, perfect love, and love casts out all fear. And God, we approach the way in which we are so afraid. And we apply that, applic- we apply that fear of other people by comparing ourselves with them. Um, many of us, we would suggest that we're in sibling rivalry, where we're striving against others instead of just growing in the faith and loving you and loving others. So we thank you that we can eavesdrop into a conversation where you restore Peter to a place of dignity, where not only can, not only did you sift through. The ways in which he let you down but you also were able to unearth how he's, he was perhaps harboring competition and envy and rivalry and I thank you that the call to him is the call to us which is to trust the process of us growing in our faith where we are led by others early where we can maybe choose our own way in the middle but there's coming a day where our whole vocation our whole occupation is to raise up others And so, God, this day I pray for particularly those who lead, uh, either in families or on teams or in corporations or in the body of Christ, that we would cease to compete and to strive and to be encumbered uh, by this weakness of comparison comparison trap. God, I pray that you would deliver us from it, that we would be free. We thank you that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And so, God, I pray that there would be a freedom among us to use our gifts, uh, to not blush as we use them, nor to be in shame when we make mistakes, but to run the, the race with endurance that you've set before us, that we'd love you, that we'd love others, that we'd not hold no offenses, that we'd not um, harbor bitterness and unforgiveness, but that we'd extend peace in its various forms to all people in our lives, so that in all things Jesus, you'd put everything together you draw all things to yourself because of what you've done on the cross because of the power of the of resurrection we pray that you raise up relationships that are broken relationships that have been fractured relationships that have been frustrated by poor choices and by harboring unforgiveness we pray that you get the last word let your kingdom come and will be done and restore peace in many relationships i ask all these things in Jesus' name amen